uh, I want to look at some scriptures this morning, and we're continuing our series on success. How many of y'all have enjoyed success? I've enjoyed teaching success. I've enjoyed uh, uh, going through it with you guys. We've looked at different areas of success and different avenues of success. This morning, it's going to have to do with, uh, with a specific area, but also how to get there in that area. And really, this is the first time in the past two or three months, however long we've been doing success, it'll be the first time that we've actually talked about money, sweet moolah. It'll be the first time, and and usually if you bring up this word success, it's the first thing that you think about, isn't it? If I say, oh, he's, he's very successful, you aren't thinking uh, he has a, a great nesting doll collection, or you aren't thinking, you know, he's married and got some kids. No, usually the first thing that, I, that, that you think of whenever I say somebody's real successful, you think, oh, well, financially, they're doing well, they're secure. Is that right or is that wrong? Usually, that's the first thing. But we've looked at a lot of other areas besides this area because you can have this area good, but if mentally you're confused, anxious, upset, worried, no matter how much money you have, you can still, mentally, things can be miserable for you. No matter how much money you have, if at home you and your spouse aren't doing good or you're separated or you're single and you have all these thoughts in your mind about how long are things going to be like this, even if you have a bunch of money, but relationship-wise, you and your kids aren't getting along and uh, things aren't well there, then how many of y'all know money can't buy everything? Can't buy everything. Lots of things in ministry. You know, Jesus said, if you'll be faithful with money, I'll trust you with things that money can't buy. So there are, obviously, he wouldn't have said it if there weren't things that money can't buy. He wouldn't have said that. So there's lots of areas that we've looked at concerning success. Working hard if you want to be successful. Jesus said all things are possible to him that believes. That you have to be a believer. You know, attach your faith to something. See it through. Uh, But this morning, I want to talk to you about success through giving. Or success through generosity. Success through generosity. I'm going to read the first scripture here. And then I'm going to pray uh, uh, together for you and and lead you in uh, just to get our mind right. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 24. It says, there is one that scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right. But it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. Amplified verse, it says that the generous soul shall be made fat. I like that, and that's my favorite one. I was going to name the whole message just fat, but my wife didn't think that was a good idea. <laughs> I was just going to say fat. The generous soul shall be made fat. I like this. It's just delicious. just smells of ribeye. <laughs> Love it. The, what type of soul, though? He says the, uh, the generous soul. Not just every soul, but he says the generous soul shall be made fat. And he who waters will also be watered himself. Everybody close your eyes this morning. I want you to picture yourself uh, as a watering can. The old school kind that your grandma had that was made out of tin. A bunch of holes in the end of it. And she would go and she would water those thirsty plants. And here, God says that there's a never-ending supply of water for you. That as you go and empty yourself out, God said, He who waters will himself be watered. 
Thank you, Father God. I pray for every person here under the sound of my voice, all the, uh, the young people, the teenagers, all the moms and dads, everyone that's represented. Pray, Father God, that, that you sear in our hearts this morning that there is a way to success that goes against all of our natural thinking. It's supernatural, and it comes through generosity. I thank you, Father God, for uh, your help this morning conveying the truths that you set forth in the Word of God. Everybody say, Father God, I am a tree being planted by the rivers of water. My leaf won't wither. I'll be fruitful in my season. And everything I do shall prosper in Jesus' name. Proverbs chapter 11, I just read it to you. It says that there is one that scatters and yet increase. New Living says that there is one that gives away and yet grows richer. How many of y'all like rich? Don't lie. Don't act like you don't. Even the Apostle Paul, he says, I know what it's like to abase and I know what it's like to abound. In other words, the Apostle Paul, he says, there's different seasons of your life. In one season, you may be abased. Y'all know what abased means? Broke. Yes, sir. Have you ever been broke? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. Raymond Noodles. Tony's Pizza. Not the good one on East Prian Lake. The other one. How many of y'all know the other one I'm talking about? Oh, man. How many of y'all eat those Tony's pizza? Woo! That's not even sausage. It's like little erasers they put on there. It's not even right. But, man, we tear them up, don't we? Oh, yeah, man. And that, that, that DG pop. Dollar General Soda. Tony's pizza. <laughs> Christian says, hi. <laughs> yes. The Apostle Paul, he says, I know what it is to abase, and I know what it is to abound. In other words, there may be season, and I don't know what season you're at right now. If you're in the abasing or if you're in abounding, I and mean, I'm going to talk to you about this area here, which is being successful through generosity. And I'll tell you that this goes against every natural part of your being. Everything naturally about you is a self-preservation type of uh, being. Naturally, for you just to, to just give and stuff, it, in your mind, you're thinking, well, I won't have enough here, or this won't work there, or what about my family, what about this? So, so naturally, it's hard to wrap our brain around this concept. But I have news for you, God didn't call you to live naturally. God never called you and I to live naturally. God called us to live supernaturally. In other words, his super comes in contact with our natural and we live unlike other people. He's designed us to live supernaturally. God never designed you to live just out of your body, right? Uh, uh, the, the Bible says in, in 1 Thessalonians that, that each one of us are spirit, soul, and body. You're a three-part being. You're, and you're created in the image of God. He's a three-part being. God the Father, God the Son, God the, uh, the Holy Spirit. Three different parts He is, and you're three different parts. You have your body, which is the part that will return to the earth, right? Your body doesn't go to heaven. Your body dies. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your memories, all this type of stuff. And then your spirit is the real you. That's the part that communicates with God. He, uh, the Bible says that His spirit bears witness with our spirit. The Bible also says, 
says that for as many as are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So if you want to be spiritual, it doesn't have to do with the clothes that you wear, how long your hair is, or how many times you go to church. To be spiritual, as long as you're led by the Spirit of God, His Spirit leading your spirit, then you are spiritual and that's the way God designed you to live. He didn't design you to be natural, which just means following your body. I'm hungry. I like her. Uh, you know, if you follow your body, you'll be in trouble. If you follow your soul, if you're always following your mind, following your emotions, you get mad, you beat somebody else, you go to jail. Why? Well, you're following uh, this eight inches right here. God didn't design you so that your soul is the biggest part of you. God didn't design you so that your body is the most dominant part of you. God designed you for your spirit to be the strongest part of your life that means whenever there's a storm and in your mind you're thinking we're going down your spirit is in contact with him and says we ain't going nowhere baby but your mind is saying we're going down if you're at the buffet the buffet your body's saying tear it up and your spirit is saying you better put the brakes on you ain't as young as you used to be chancho you better put some of them taquitas back them britches ain't going to button by January. So if you follow your body, and, and, and we live in a world that follows naturally. That's the way that they move. And they, and they live by their mind. What they think, they follow. They're sad, then they're, they act sad. God's totally different. So this message goes against all of your natural inclinations. Most natural people that you would give to or be generous to is your own family. But they're still your family, right? That's why, it's, that's why to you, that's the easiest people to be generous to is your kids. Why? Because they're your kids, your mom. So it's most natural for us to be generous there. But even then, it's tough. I mean, I know what I'm saying. Because there's some foods I don't want to share. I'll give my wife both my legs if I had to. But if there's certain things I'm eating, don't put your fork over here. We're going to fight. I mean, like once a year or something, we'll go to Mazen's and if you get the filet and then they put these big old chunks of blue crab meat. Whoo! Lord Jesus. They're my family, but do I want to give them? I don't want to give them nothing. Not one piece of that, that crap. Ben and Jerry's fish food is a type of ice cream. And oh, I could tell you about it for hours. So good, so, so delicious. And I love my kids. But here comes Ansley with her spoon. Here she comes, just pawing at me. Just Paul, just just trying to get into that pint. And everything in me says, you need every morsel of this. In your digestive system. She needs zero. And, sh and she's the one. My kids are the one. My wife is the one. That I would be most naturally inclined to be generous with. And yet even then there's a part of us that just says no. But here he says there is that holds on to more than is right. And it tendeth to poverty. Very strong, very interesting words. So I want to I wanna talk to you about a, a few areas that I encourage you, admonish you to give to God. Because whatever you give Him, He multiplies. 
Whatever you give God, he multiplies. Come on, somebody. That's good news right there. Whatever you put into his hands, he multiplies. And three areas I just want to share with you real quick is if if you give God your time, if you give him your talent, and if you give him your treasure, he'll multiply those things in your life. Most of us say, I don't have time to read, I don't have time to pray, I don't have time to serve, I don't have time to help, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. And yet God is the only one that's qualified to multiply your time. And whenever you give him time, he has a way of multiplying it and making it increase. Who else can do that? Well, there ain't nobody that can do that. Joel chapter 2 verse 25, he actually says, I will restore the years that the enemy took from you. I mean, I gave the enemy some years. I mean, I'll spend a, a portion of your life living and doing things that you had no business doing that were counterproductive, self-destructive. And yet here, God says, I'm the only one that's capable of taking those years, redeeming them, and giving them back to you. God. The only, and then he, he, he goes further. He says, the, what, he says uh, the, the palmer worm, the canker worm, the eating locust, the chewing locust, they chewed up your life. And he says, but I can restore all those years to you. Come on, for years I was a nincompoop, an idiot. And yet somehow he's the only one. He just, he redeemed and restored. It's like share. How many of y'all remember that song? If I could turn back time. Y'all don't want none of that. He's the only one that can do that. How many of y'all remember in Joshua chapter 10, Joshua's in battle and he's winning. But he's running out of daylight. So he asked God, he says, God, I need you to make the sun stand still. Lord Jesus, how do you ask for that? Asking for rent is one thing. But And now I was watching, this is maybe a month ago, I was watching National Geographic, and they found this time. They even know, they acknowledge, the science community acknowledge that there is a span of time that's missing from the world clock. And they can't figure out, well, what is it? What, what happened? Because in order to stop time, actually, God had to, to turn the earth backwards on its axis. Just, just turn it backwards. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Appreciate you doing that for me. I'll never doubt you again. Who else can do that? And yet we think, well, we don't have time. We don't have time. We don't have time. We don't have time. I'm telling you, if you'll give him your time, it's like Botox. The God of Botox, that's your tweet for today. Only him can reverse the process of the things that we do to mess up our life, he says, I can, I, can, I can reverse it. I can turn it back. He's the only one. The second thing is if you give him your talent. Any labor, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, brethren. I love that. He says, brethren. He says, my people, I beseech you. In other words, he says, I'm begging you. He says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable to God. And this is your reasonable service. Come on, and we think, well, I can't do that. I, 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 
I don't have what it takes. So listen, if you'll offer your life, and he says this is your reasonable service, anything you do for him, he multiplies. The, the verse I gave you here is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. He says, give. Everybody say give. He says, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that the labor in the Lord is not in vain. Come on, I mean, I want to be successful. He, come on, you want success. He's telling you right here. He says, your labor won't be in vain. In other words, God says, if you'll give yourself fully, your time, your talent, if you'll give it to me, I'll make sure that it's multiplied and it's not in vain. And sometimes while you're doing something for the Lord, you think, well, this is dumb. I could be at the lake or I could be this or I could. Or you go up and you, you, you talk to somebody about Jesus and they just like they just like basically spit in your face. And I felt like I should just come and invite you to church, ask you if you know the Lord. I don't even believe in God. And you think, I quit. No, God, but God says, listen, anything that you give to him, any labor, any talent, it, he has a way of making that not in vain. How I many of y'all know we do a lot of stuff that is in vain? Come on, how I many hours a day do we spend doing things that are in vain? Sinned about something stupid. And yet anything we do for him, he says, it won't be in vain. Give God some time. Give him some of your talent. Last is give him your treasure. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Treasure. What's treasure mean? Treasure just means money and a member of our church. Uh, treasure. For those of you who don't know, there's treasure sitting right there. Your treasure, any treasure that you give God, he multiplies he takes what we give and we think naturally let's go back now because we i told you that naturally speaking we think this is not how things work it's unnatural for me to uh because i've had people tell me and say i would tithe but uh, you want me to take food out of my kid's mouth so that I can tie and say, I don't want you to do anything. I'm just encouraging you that if you'll, the Bible says, if you'll test God or prove him in this area, he said that there's a grace that will come upon your life that you may not see it immediately, but it's there and it does some things for you. So there's times uh, in this area, treasure, treasure, the first area of, of giving God your treasure would be what I mentioned in the offering, which is just the T-I-T-H-E, tithe. Tithe just means a tenth. And again, that levels the playing field for every person. I read an article. I mean, I love God. I just love the expertise of Him. He's so precision oriented. He's not vague. He knows exactly what he's doing at all times. He's the all-knowing, omniscient, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God. There ain't nobody like him. And he knows how the church should work, how you should work, and he knows the best way for you to operate the most successful in every area of your life, even this one. 
But you always, there's always this resistance in this area. I was thinking this week about how many times Jesus, people got mad at Jesus. And when he talked about this subject, people always got hot. Remember when he turns over all the money changers? He just flips all their tables over. And he says, you've turned my house into a den of thieves. What they say? We're going to kill that dude. He's dead. Remember whenever he cast the devil out of the madman of Gadara and he walks up and this guy's he's on, he's on the ground like convulsing. He's got de- demons on the inside of him. And he walks up and Jesus walks up and they said, Jesus, son of David, have you come here to torment us? And, he, and, and have you come here to send us out of the region before our time? And what does Jesus, Jesus, Jesus begins to talk to these demons. And the demons ask him, they say, Jesus, don't send us out of this region. Don't cast us out. Don't make us leave here. And the Bible says that Jesus told the demons to come out of that man. And Jesus sent the demons into the swine. And the Bible says that 2,000 pigs became demon possessed. I mean, I wish you could be there. I mean, I'm going to get to heaven and say, play that one back. But play that one back four frames. I want to see that one. Because now 2,000 demon possessed pigs. I mean, you, were just, you know they're going crazy, these pigs, man. And 2,000 of them, the Bible says that they jumped off a cliff into the ocean and they all died. And the owners of the pigs came and pushed Jesus out of town because of the value of the pigs. That's what it says. It says these people, they ran Jesus out of town because they would rather have the value of their pigs than the power of God and Jesus in the flesh moving in their life. They chose their pigs over the power. And we could go on and on. How about in the New Testament where, where they, start, they start beating up on all the disciples because they came and they said, they said, these disciples keep telling everybody about Jesus and now they don't want to worship uh, our handmade idols and it's costing us a whole bunch of money. We're going to have to shut down the disciples because they're ruining our business. And the Bible says they begin to arrest and, and persecute the disciples. Because why? Well, because... This part of their heart, they just didn't want to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And here, uh, this article that I read, it's it's a good article. I like it. And I'm going to put a thing up there for you. How many of y'all happy? Y'all ain't mad at me, huh? And this, this article, I loved it. It's called, What Would Happen If the Church Would Tithe? What would happen... If the church would tithe, because right now in America, 5% of the church tithes. 5%. Let me just give you another one, and I'll just read it. Tithers make up uh, of a normal congregation about 10% of a normal congregation. So if you have a church of 100, about 10 10 people out of 100 will tithe. Only 5% of the U.S. tithes, with 80% of Americans, only give 2% of their income. This is Americans, not just churchgoers. This is Americans. And it says Christians only give 2.5%. What's that mean? The Christians aren't any more generous than the world. There's just as much money given to non-profits by non-Christians as there are Christians is basically what that means. We give 2.5% during the Great Depression. They gave 3.3%. We're living at the richest time in history, yet we give less than one of the worst times in history. Why? Well, because of the selfie. 
it's because of the selfie, baby. We're the selfie generation, right? It's all about self. My God, who cares about anybody else? Cheese. If, if, if the church would tithe, $165 billion annually would come into the church. $165 billion. I'm about to show you the genius of God. Put that slide up there. Y'all bear with me. Yeah, it's in one of those. It's under. There it is. $165 billion. How many of y'all think that's a lot of money? That would be every year $165 billion would come into the church. What could be done with $165 billion? Well, $25 billion you could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases. In five years we could eradicate global hunger, starvation, and preventable diseases. $12 billion would eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15 billion would save the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically at places in the world where a billion people live on less than a dollar a day. I mean, I'm glad you don't live there. $1 billion could fully fund all overseas missions. Don't get me started. A hundred to a hundred and ten billion would be left over for additional ministry expansion to a grand total of a hundred and sixty five billion if just the church would tithe. What's that mean? God is a genius. And he knew that if the church would do what I told him to do, then the church would be the dominating force on the face of the planet and not a bunch of wimp, weak Christians that are getting run out of, of every place that, that our democracy holds. I'll quit. Uh, so you got four things that giving affects. 5%. I believe we're better than 5%. I believe we're moving to 100%. 100% of people says, you know what? Well, I'll just do what Jesus said do. And, and it's not a commandment. I don't want you to think that I'm commanding. It's not a commandment. It's not, it's not the fear of the tithe. It's the grace of the tithe. So you don't tithe out of fear. You recognize the grace of God that God said was upon whenever uh, Paul wrote to the, the Corinthian church. He said, I'm going to leave Titus there to teach you about the grace of God in this area. Because you're, you're good at a lot of things. But he says, in this area, he says, I need Titus to teach you because there's a grace of God that comes from generosity that doesn't come from any other way. I have a whole bunch of keys. Each one of those keys gives me access to a different thing, a different room. I, I worked at a fairly large church, and I had a whole, so many keys, they'd pull my britches down. I got so tired of wearing them keys. Every one of those keys would give me, a, a, give me access to a different room. Without that key, you just don't get in. But with that key, you have access to everything that's inside that room. And this is just a key that I'm trying to give you. Not a law, not a commandment, but it is a key. And, and, and it'll, it'll affect your life and it'll, it'll help you be successful. I got up early and the Lord just, just in five minutes just had me write down three or four things that, that are giving effects. Why we should give. So that's the last thing I'll give you this morning is uh, in your worship guide there, number one, the few things that, that giving affects or what it does for you. Not to mention what we just said, the potential of it across this planet. I mean, that would be enough to go home right now. But for you personally, the first thing it does is it opens heaven. 
Let me all know everywhere Jesus went, he just had an open heaven. Why did Jesus have an open heaven? Because the Bible says that he poured out his life as a ransom for us all. Remember, I had you close your eyes at the beginning of the service. I said, see yourself as somebody that empties themselves. And because he would pour himself out, God just continued. And everywhere Jesus went, there's just an open heaven. Open heaven for what? For everything. Everything he needed financially, he had it. Everything he needed in ministry, he had it. Everything he had needed in relationships, he had it. Everything he needed, there was an open heaven. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, he says, he says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Prove me now in this and see if I will not what? Open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that there is not room enough to receive. When we give, it just opens heaven. It gives us a key that, there's, that, that doesn't open any other way. You can fake it, but there's a key. He says it opens heaven. One of the greatest things I've ever learned in my life that has affected more life than my life more than anything else on this planet is, is this key right here. Praise God. Number two, it honors him. And it blesses us. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 9 and 10. It says honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruit. First part of your harvest. And he says here's your blessing. He says your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. It honors him. And yet it blesses you. Why? Because he multiplies. That's what he, that's what he does. He's a dad right? I mean whenever my kids... That they give me cards and stuff like that. What do I want to do? Bring them to Chuck E. Cheese, baby. Don't you want to? Daddy, I made you this. It's beautiful. It's really not that beautiful. A six-year-old made it. But to me, it's like, it's the greatest thing in the whole wide world. Just want to, you want a horse? You want two? Two horses right now, Nancy. Coming up. Oreos? That too. Oreos too. Number three. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, he says, Assuredly, I tell you this, that no one who has left his house, his parents, his brothers, his wife, or his children, for my sake, or the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age of eternal life. It affects eternity. And we could say more. What's Jesus saying? He says, any person that will give up their mother, their father. And he basically says, there will be times you'll have to give up some relationships in order for you and I to have a relationship. But whatever you give me, he says, in this life, there will be an anointing and a grace of God upon your life. And also, it will affect eternity. I mean, I know all of us will get to eternity and we'll find people there that are there only because of you and you alone. Either you gave or you spoke. You gave them something that got them there. How many y'all ready to get there? I'm ready to get there. I hope there's a bunch of people. I'm going to be so sad if there's just like, there's nobody there. Like, a, like just one toad on a frog. I mean, uh, one, one toad on a log. You know, you just walk up, just ribbit, ribbit. You're like, where's all the people? Ribbit. Like, but that didn't do anything effective for the kingdom of God. And Jesus, he says, he says, it affects eternity. Your giving affects eternity. What more could you want to affect than that? Everything on this world you won't get to take with you, and it's all perishing. The only thing that matters is what we do for him. The last one is Luke chapter 10. Number four, you can write there, it affects others. And this is the story of the good Samaritan. And I don't have time to go through all of it. 
uh, but, but you're giving effects, individuals, it affects people. If you know the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus says there was a man who fell among robbers. And he was beaten and he was robbed and he was left for dead. And a priest coming down the street saw the man who had been beaten and robbed. And he crossed the street and went the opposite direction. Too tired, too busy, couldn't afford it, whatever the reason was. But Jesus said here, he said, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion So he went to him and he bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. You're giving effects. People, if you finish the story there, uh, Jesus says that he brings him to the inn and he tells the innkeeper, he says, whatever you spend on him while I'm gone, I'll repay you. Every person in here, Jesus crossed the street. He bandaged our wounds. He poured on the oil of the Holy Spirit and the wine of joy is really what he's talking about. Every one of us here, Jesus has done that for us. But he's called us to find other people and help foot their bill. But God says, anything you spend on them, I'll pay you back when I come back. But your giving affects people. So I'll close just by bringing it home in that your time... Your talent, your treasure, I'm telling you, this is one of the greatest keys to generosity and to success in your life. I've learned a lot about the Bible and and I've learned and, and know scriptures and all that kind of stuff. But nothing has opened heaven not just for me financially. Financially, who get, who cares? It's great. It's wonderful. Nice house, nice car. But the things I want the most, money can't buy. And yet this area right here gives me access to things that money can't buy. Well, I want, I want to speak into people's life and they know God's talking. Well, you can't buy that, baby. But you can... Trust God in this area. He'll give you a key that will open up access to people's hearts. Whenever I stand to speak, I don't want to say what I want to say. Why? That's lousy. I want God to say some things. Well, you can't buy it. But yet Jesus says, if, if you'll prove me and take care of me in this area, there are things that money can't buy that I'll give you access to. God's good. He's so faithful. Uh, success comes a lot of different ways. But I encourage you, some of you, I encourage you, you've never tithed before or you did, but you quit. I encourage you, 2015, just, I don't, I'll eat leather and feed my kids leather before I quit doing that. We'll eat worms. We just, we just will. They don't know it, but I'll fry them up. They wouldn't even know what it was. We just fry them up, just saute. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's protein. Yeah, let's go ahead and eat that. But because I've made that stand, why? Well, because it's kind of like marriage. If you just jump out every time something gets rough. No, we, we like Jesus to cuddle us and to hold us and whisper us things in our ear. And Jesus will say, why don't you put a ring on it? What's he saying? Well, this is it's covenant. Tithing's covenant. You're saying we're a partner. We're a partner. I'll keep 90, give you 10. We're in a covenant relationship and come hell or high water, I'll be here. I won't leave you at the altar. I won't cheat on you. It's a covenant. So I encourage you, if you've never done that, just and you say, well, I did it for a week. and whatever. Listen, just prove him now in this 
stick with it. Is there going to be tough times? Absolutely. I've gone through a bunch of, I can tell you where I was. I, I could tell you where I was sitting when the Lord said, uh, uh, give 20% of everything you make this year. I can tell you where I was sitting whenever he said, give 25% of everything that you make this year. I could tell you whenever I was sitting, whenever he told me, give 30% of everything that comes into your hands this year. And we've been doing that now for 10 years. 30% of everything that comes into our hands. If I cut grass for $100, I give 30 bucks. Why? Well, I'm in partnership. I've entered into a partnership with him. It's to his benefit to bless me because it's a partnership. I mean, I like Shark Tank. I love watching Shark Tank. I could go on, but I won't. Shark Tank, what are they looking for? They say, I want to be in partnership with you. 50-50, 60-40, 70-30, 80-20, 90-10. It's a partnership. As we grow, we grow. And, I, and God, I just remember, he just challenged me. He said, I want you to give 30%. I said, come on, Jesus. You've got to be kidding. But you make that decision and no, nothing shakes you off of it. Nothing shakes me off of that decision. My mom's here. She'll tell you. She knows my taxes. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. My last job, there was a year that I worked there that I, I gave more than I made. How do you do that? There's a grace of God that comes whenever you just say, I refuse to go backwards. I'll go forwards. And that's why we'll build this building and we'll go forward and the will of God will be done and there will be an open heaven upon us and things will go good. And I'm just encouraging you and admonishing you. We've looked at success a lot of different ways and we haven't even gone here, but there's a key here that, that, that it'll change your life. It'll go against everything naturally. And it'll wreck your mind at times. Because you got to pay this, you got to do that. And mentally, you just like, but praise the Lord, you just walk on water. And whenever you're about to sink, he just picks you right back up. You say, well, my God, I'm glad you were there. I was about to get eaten. He just pick you right back up. You walk on water. Praise God. Let's pray together this morning. Thank you, Father God, that you gave us everything. You gave us Jesus. That you're the biggest giver on the planet. You're the biggest giver. We thank you so much for what you've done in us and what you're teaching us, how you're giving us keys to the kingdom. God, more than money, we want to please you. More than money, we want to do the work of the Lord. More than anything, we want to give you our time, give you our talent, and give you our treasure. I pray for every person here that I know they were challenged in their heart and it goes against many things that, that their mind would tell them. But I pray for the strength of God to come in like a flood, raise up a standard that will keep them in the way of the Lord.